Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today's episode, we're going to be focusing on Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. We're going to be talking about three wines that we're featuring over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Wines that you know and wines that you love. So stop in, say hello, and tell us you heard it on the podcast. Cheers. Cheers, Anthony. And happy Father's Day to you. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Guys, today we are doing a special Father's Day episode. This is going to be structured a little bit differently. We're not going to be uh, talking about a, a spe- specific wine each. What we're going to do is kind of talk about our families and our lives as being fathers. And uh, we're also going to be ta- talking about some wine, obviously. Yeah, it's good to be a, it's good to be a dad. You know, my, my son called me the other day. He goes, what do you want to do? And I'm like, uh, well... I really just would like to hang out. I mean, you know, just, you know, cook, for up, sure. cook up some food, sit around. It's the best day for it. I, uh, Growing up, my dad's favorite holiday uh, was Father's Day. But, you know, as a kid, you always think Christmas or, or Thanksgiving or, you know, and, and I would see my dad always just sit down and relax on Father's Day. And I... <laughs> I never understood that. Now that I've had a daughter of my own, I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, like uh, I would be just happy to, you know, have a grill, you know, or you know, go see my dad and do something, you know, f- you know, food wise or, you know, wine wise, of course, because he is Ed of Ed's Fine Wines. <laughs> it is the uh, perfect day to just check out and enjoy the family. Yeah, it that's is. it. I. I I couldn't be happier with doing that. And, you know, you're a dad. You know, he's got a great daughter. And, uh, um, you know, I've got two sons. Uh, my dad's got three boys. You know, everybody has a very busy lifestyle. And we're all hustling and working. And um, But, you know, there's something about getting together on that day and sharing food and sharing wine and being with the family that just makes it such a great day for me as a dad. Absolutely. I uh, I couldn't be happier with with sitting around with all of you guys, with the whole family together, drinking some great wine, eating some great food, and hearing what everyone's doing. To yeah. me, that is, I mean, that's better than Christmas. No, <laughs> and really I know, is. and I was thinking like with this this first wine that we're that you know that we have in front of us here is a wine that reminds me of my my, my middle brother. So there's three of us. My brother Andy's the oldest. Dean. My middle brother, and then I'm the youngest, uh, the baby. And uh, my brother Dean, he he's a big white wine drinker. He doesn't drink a whole lot of red wine. He really, I mean, un- unless my dad pulls out something really special, of course. And or Amarone. Amarone, <laughs> <laughs> which you know, like my dad loves Amarone too. Um, but you're right. He definitely drinks whites. Lots of whites. It's a lot lots of whites. whites. And this would be something he would probably enjoy. Um, oh, without a doubt. he He's a big Chardonnay fan. Uh, you know, one of the first wines that I knew for sure that he enjoyed was Farniente Chardonnay. <laughs> that was That's the one wine that I know he enjoys. And this kind of follows along that same path. This is Duckhorn Chardonnay. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a wine that has always done really great for me on wine lists. Um, not only because of the name, but because it is such a good wine. It's really well balanced. It's not that that big in your face butter bomb, but the butter's there. Yeah, and it's funny we're talking about Duckhorn Chardonnay because they're known for Merlot. Merlot. Absolutely. See, I mean, you know, I didn't even have to. You know, you knew. That's that's what they're known for. That's I think that's 
uh, probably their best wine. I think their Merlot is their best. Yeah. People really enjoy their Cab, but, mm-hmm. you know, and their Shard. But for me, Merlot is where they shine. And they and they make cabs, um, you know, single vineyard cabs. They also make Sauvignon Blanc. So they are diverse. They make uh, decoy, you know, rosé, Zinfandel. Uh, they make a lot of blends with the Paradox line. Um, they have their canvas back. They have a lot yeah, of wines that they do. A lot. Um, and of course, it's not family so much anymore. As yeah. What is the story behind that? Actually, they were I'm, purchased by uh, uh, you know a big company that uh, you know owns multiple. Uh, businesses and uh, but they left Maureen in charge of you know she's the the president of the company so she does you know have a big part in making sure that the wines are being made in a correct way a manner that the Duckhorn family you know really felt like the wine should be mm-hmm. so as far as you know this wine this wine is to me is a very balanced Chardonnay, where you see so much of the the Rombauers and the uh, kind of jumping to the American palate, right? Right. I when I explain in wine classes uh, the American palate, I always say, you know, are are you seeing a lot of oak? Are they showing off the amount of oak that they're using? Mm-hmm. Are they throwing a ton of butter in your face? Mm-hmm. Are you tasting the grape? Or are you tasting what they're doing to the grape? And to me, that's the way, you know, and especially in a blind tasting, you can tell if it's from you know, California or not, because that's what we do. We don't showcase the wine as much. We showcase what we do with the wine. With the wine. With this is like 100% French oak. Yeah. The nice part is, you know, it's it's 90% barrel fermented with 10% stainless steel, but 40% of the oak is new, where you get a lot of that oak flavor is a new oak. Yeah. Uh, 30% is second vintage, so a little softer, still some oak. And then another 30% is neutral, where you don't really pick up a whole lot of oak at all. Uh, it's, you know, malolactic, but only 40%. So malolactic, again, not to get too wine geeky on everybody. If you don't know this, malolactic is a term of turning Chardonnay from citric acid or any wine from citric acid that we have in citrus to malolactic acid that we have in milk. Yeah. So that makes a creamier in your palate, a more of a... a a mouthfeel. So to get even more wine geeky for those of you playing along at home, <laughs> malolactic fermentation, it actually isn't even a fermentation. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that because you don't use yeast. Uh, it's actually a bacterium that's turning the mallow and the, the lactic into mallow. Um, I, I'm saying that backwards. Uh, what you're doing is you're turning it into a lactic acid. Um, you're going from that sharper acid kind of you know uh, sharper taste into a creamier more luscious taste you know an easier mouthfeel a little more velvet a little more you know it, it adds a little bit of something to the tongue that is really showcased in Chardonnay and a lot in Viognier as well I'm gonna pour you some of that thank you and there you go I'm gonna pour myself some and it's all it's all one cut here so you're hearing me get a little wine geeky, but also try to uh, uh, narrow it down to where it's not over the top for <laughs> your everyday listeners. So I'm stumbling over myself, and everyone gets to hear that. So the nice part, I think, about this wine is it's balanced. I mean, you know, I, I keep on saying it. You know, like you have the the Chardonnay drinker that does not like oak. You have the Chardonnay drinker that likes lots of oak. You have the Chardonnay drinker that likes lots of butter. And sometimes, you know, people get a little confused on what the, really their style is. 
and when you come into the store, you always ask us, you know, what's your favorite? We ask that, you know, our customers, what's their favorite? So we can kind of move them toward that style. But with this wine, I love it because it has these aromas of nectarine and yellow plum. The winemaker always says, he says pineapple upside down cake. I'm still trying to find that one myself. <laughs> but, you know, it's each his own, right? Or if you tell someone that, you know they're going to taste it. They, that's, that's true. That's his pitch. Yeah. You get pineapple upside down cake, although it's not in there, and he sees everyone. I can, I get that. that, that I totally get that pineapple. That's this great. one's selling really well with pineapple <laughs> upside down cake. But it still has good acidity. Yeah. And that, to me, is what I'm always looking for, me personally, in a wine, uh, white wine, because I like to drink my white wines with, um, you know, foods that are rich and creamy or cheeses and things like that. Uh, unless I'm out by the pool and I just, you know, want something to, you know, a cocktail. But wine. even then you want something acid, right? I do. Cause it's hot. Right, Cause it's hot. You... And, um, you know, he's, uh, French Oak inspired, you know, you get those, those notes of vanilla, um, just like you would in, in a bunch, a couple of the wines that are coming up that we're going to talk about. Um, but, uh, again, it's a historical wine in Napa Valley, um, a great family in Napa Valley. And uh, it's just a wonderful day. You know, if, you're, if your dad drinks whites, that's a great one. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's always, like I said, been very comfortable for me to sell it, and I know that it's going to be enjoyed. It's not something that I'm, I'm gambling on, right? No. I, I think that it's a, a good wine. Let's hope you think it's a good wine. This is a, a very safe bet. Yeah, as a gift wine, too, it's got a great name. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead and finish this. We're going to move on to some of our next wines. These are, again, for Father's Day, we wanted to go with some bigger names, some, some things that people really get excited to see us push. Uh, and I think this next wine does that <laughs> big time. Uh, the next one that we're going to move on to is Austin Hope. This is one that everyone gets excited about. How many cases did we just bring in? Uh, 60. <laughs> we brought in a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, we're comfortable doing that because it's not going to sit around. People know it and they love it. And, and it, when we were only bringing in, you know, 10, 15 at a time, we were having a hard time keeping it on the shelf. So, yep. Uh, and it has a relationship with the next wine after this, too. Yeah, so let's go ahead and get it all out in the open. What we're, what we're going to be tasting on today is going to be uh, Austin Hope, and we're, we're also going to be doing Camus. Uh, I think the two go hand in hand, and I think it's for Father's Day. It's a really good thing for us to run. So um, Austin Hope, his parents, they moved to Paso in 78, and they were producing apples and grapes. Uh, and that's kind of what they did for quite some time in the 80s and 90s. Uh, the the hopes grew grapes for various wine producers and that brought along the Wagners. So in the eighties, the Wagners turned to the hope family to source grapes for their, <laughs> their yeah. Liberty school, Liberty school. There it is. Funny, right? Yeah. It's funny. Everyone thinks of Liberty school as a, uh, as a Austin, Austin hope, hope wine. wine. And it, it is, they've, they've really done a good job for it, but it used to be a Camus wine. Uh, and, and that's where they kind of built that long-lasting partnership between the two mm -hmm. of them. Yeah. Uh, Austin Hope worked for Chuck while he was studying at uh, California Polytechnic State University, and that's where he knew that he was going to uh, be a wine producer. So he kind of picked up some of those trademark Wagner-esque uh, wine, wine making skills. Mm -hmm. they're, they're big, they're luscious, they're you know, vanilla like you mentioned on the last one. Uh, it's a, it's a skill that i call a wag 
I don't know how to say. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's some magic that the Wagners have that transforms to also Austin, which also transforms to Joey Absolutely. Wagner, another family member. And not everyone loves it, and that's important to point out. But you but know lots, it. But lots of people love it. You know lots it. Lots of people love <laughs> of it. Of course. <laughs> it's why it's such a popular style of winemaking. It is. Uh, in California, that- it's, it's almost like California's following suit, right? Everything is really big. It's really in your face. Mm-hmm. The, you're seeing trends in alcohol go up to that 15, 15.5%. Mm-hmm. You're seeing a lot of dark berry, a lot of vanilla. And when you say these things, the first thing I think is Camus. That's that's Wagner. You know, silky, vanillaed, baking spice, you know, big, deep purple colors. Inky, almost. Inky. I mean, it's a... Look at what Joey did for the Bell Gloss line. What what he did for Pinot, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when yeah. you think of uh, Pinots, that's a cab drinker's Pinot, it you is. know, and it that's is. something that I think is very unique to them. And and not to get away from Austin Hope because that is what we're talking about right now, but that's a that's kind of trademark Austin Hope as well. And Austin Hope, you know, does geeky wines too. I mean, he does Grenache. He does Mouvedre. If you can get your hands on it. Yeah, he does a lot of Rhone-style uh, production as well. But those are a little smaller production. It's it's harder to get your hands on that stuff. Um, but, but, you know, it's silky wines, right? Really silky. Uh, I, I mean, listen, I am the type of guy where if I want to drink this wine, I don't really need food. These wines have so much fruit. To me, it's a beautiful cocktail wine. Now, as a psalm, you know that it'll go with beef and things like that. Absolutely. But- and there's a there's a specific reason for that, at least in my head. And I could be wrong, and there could be psalms out there that are yelling at me in your phone <laughs> right now. But to me, when I'm putting down something like that, the reason it's so food-friendly is because there's not – a ton of tannin on it none so well it's a it's a big wine right and it's bold and it's it's fruit driven and it's over the top luscious but there's not a ton of tannin which Mm -hmm. is kind of unique when you Mm -hmm. think big cabernet you would expect to have that enamel gripping tannin structure Mm -hmm. and it's not there so it will allow me to put it down for someone who's eating a new york strip and someone who's eating you know pork tenderloin it it kind of it plays well with both you know i I poured this wine for somebody and that doesn't really get into wine really a lot Mm -hmm. you know they don't drink a whole lot of wine but the funny thing was when i poured it for them i just wanted to see what they looked like what their what they thought with and they they just again their eyes grew and they're like Oh my gosh, this is so good. So maybe the wine drinker that's not drinking all different kinds of wine is 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 really wine geeky. That this might not be the wine for them, but the winemaker, the the wine that you want to give as a present or a wine that you want to give to uh, uh, somebody who's not into wine, most of the time they're gonna drink this wine. And go, oh, that's good. Oh, without a doubt. And can you say that again? That was like a late night Ooh, radio. Ooh. That's good. <laughs> so. To, to speak a little more to that, yeah, when I'm creating a wine list, I'm not showcasing my Camus. I'm not, yeah, I'm doing a good job putting Camus on the list. It's nothing like that. I get wine geeky in other areas, but when I want to put something on that, you got to have Camus. People love Camus, mm-hmm. and that's important to note. But I mean, Austin Hope is learned his craft from Chuck Wagner, right? 
Right. So they're very... I don't want to say they're similar stylistically, but they are. Mm -hmm. Austin Hope Mm -hmm. is out of Paso Robles. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's... It's different for sure. They're they're unique to themselves, but you can definitely see you can put them in the same category on a wine list. And you know, when I think about Father's Day, I, you know, the Duckhorn Chardonnay, perfect for my brother Andy or my brother Dean, mm-hmm. Austin Hope, perfect for my brother Andy. If my brother Andy tasted this one, he'd be like, "Oh, this is good." You know, I, yeah, he would like this. It's very silky and in, in, in style. So this would be a good one for you know my oldest brother because uh, he likes more reds. You know. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And this is, at the end of the day, it's yummy. Whether whether it is. You, no matter yeah. how you look at it, it's yummy juice. It's yummy. You're right. So to me, I'm getting a ton of vanilla off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's for both of these wines. That's something that really jumps out to me. I use this term with Austin Hope with with Camus. Uh, I, I think it's almost overly extracted. Right. It is a really rich. Fruit. I mean, it's black dark. currant, black currant, cherries, maybe some smoky notes of dried spices. But the the cherry to me is almost like you know those little black luxardos. Uh-huh. You know the the juice that's in there. That's almost what I'm getting. That, that's, you know that that flavor. It's yeah. It's not syrupy, but it's you know that flavor is definitely there. The the winemaker. Uh, I'll read you something he had wrote. He as a style a, a, a tasty note. He said. Vanilla bean, vanilla bean, and brown butter, and mm. I was like thinking, ah, brown butter. I, I never thought of brown butter, but yeah, that'll work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe as a, maybe as you know, you've heard, you've heard maybe Robert Parker say pencil lead, and you're like, what? But brown butter with this wine and vanilla bean, it works. Yeah, I think that that's a, a really fun uh, note for sure. Uh, brown butter is one to me that I don't. <laughs> I don't pick up. <laughs> I'm I'm not letting him transplant at in my brain, <laughs> but it is. I, I can see it being really yummy in a wine. And you know, um, again, family-owned winery, to this day. Yeah, family-owned winery. Yeah, you know. And I, to be honest, all of his stuff, all of their stuff, Hope Wines, uh, they they all do really well. The Triana is absolutely killer at mm-hmm. that 1999 price point. The uh, Liberty School. I mean, Liberty 14 School. Fourteen bucks. Yeah, it's you great. Know, you can't on. you can't be mad at that. No, no, no. I think it's it's one of the best in that price range. Yeah, he makes if, some others too that uh, you know. Uh, I just recently noticed, and I, I'm gonna probably bring those in. Troublemaker, I believe it's called, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah Troublemaker. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think they're all good. It's a it's quality. It's it might not be what I drink every day, but I think it's good wine, and I'm not mad. That I'm we, drinking it right now. Can we talk about one of my dad's wines, like the one that, you know, that, you know, Austin Hope cut his teeth on, and yeah. maybe let's talk about it's it. Camus. That's it. It's Camus, and it's you know, it's it's the love of Napa Valley. I mean, you know, it's you know, maybe not with everybody, but um, this is a wine that is one of the better gift wines for the holidays. It's a big name that people know. These guys have been around for a long time. And again, they make silky, rich wines. Yeah. Um, you know. It's... So something that I think that as we're doing show notes here and we're kind of talking about things and, and doing a little bit of research uh, as we go into it, we, <clears throat> we both were thinking that 
Camus has been around since the late 70s, early 80s, and and I didn't even realize that in 71 is where uh, where it all kind of started for them. 71, uh, Charlie asked Chuck as he graduated from high school if uh, he would be interested in joining them and starting a winery. Uh, and if he declined, they were planning on selling the ranch and moving to Australia. And I had, <laughs> who would have thought, right? And, uh, you know, he, he accepted and that, that year is when they launched Camus Winery and they produced their first vintage in 72. I had no idea it was that early in the seventies. And, you know, you're talking about, again, here's a family owned winery. You know, uh, we have Joey who actually left and started Copper Cane mm-hmm. and then both his other son and daughter are still working with him producing wine, making wine, and, you know, they have a gambit. They, you know, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Zinfandel, Cabernet. Um, oh, are, came as in. Uh, well, oh, yeah, okay. if you can only get it there, folks. So <laughs> please don't call and ask for that one. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, again, family, we're still together, still owned by that same family. Um, a, a wine that you're always, 90% of the time, you can find it on most restaurant wine lists. Um, because it's, it's an important wine as far as sales, you know, for restaurants and in retail. Well, to circle back around, people love it. That's Mm -hmm. it. Whether, whether you want it on a list or not, they have created a wine that you have to have. There's no getting around it. Buy your dad a bottle because your dad's probably going to like it. Right. You know? Yeah. Super fair to say. Yeah. You have it on a list at, or on a table at dinner and people are going to be happy about it. Mm-hmm. There's no one upset about drinking Camus. Nope. Uh, it might not be your go-to, but you're going to be happy to drink it. And I'm happy we're drinking it. You know, it's funny. We always say, like, uh, we love, you know, geeky wines. We're always looking out for the weird Mouvedre, the Cunois. Right. The, you know, and, you know, again, when you try this wine, you're like, oh, this is nice. You know, it's a good wine. Yeah. You know, uh, uh but as a gift, I think this wine is a big wine to give because it's it has a name, it has a following, and um, you really can't go wrong. Most people will drink it and be happy and be glad that this is what they got as a gift or, you know, for Father's Day, whatever. Yeah. I think it's easy to kind of, um, you know, as a wine professional, as a, as a beverage professional, it's kind of easy to scoff at. You know things that you see every day the the Camuses mm-hmm. the the silver oaks the silver oaks the, yeah. the, the uh, you know the big names uh, and then you realize oh, you know I haven't had that in a while and that was something that, that I kind of pretty thought good about. yeah it's last really silver good. oak I had was actually pretty good to be honest All with right. you. You, you you say so <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you were drinking twenty year old silver oak. <laughs> <laughs> one that did it for me recently actually is jordan i didn't you know you yeah. see it on a list and yeah. you, it's a safe bet but uh, you know i tried it and that's like god this is a lot better than i remembered yeah uh you know so this is one that we you know we opened it a little bit earlier and you know as soon as you tell me we're drinking camus for the podcast i was like all right i can get behind that there is no <laughs> way i'm having any more of that camus <laughs> Some for you. Thank you, brother. Uh-huh. It almost feels wrong we're sitting here drinking Camus on a work day, right? <laughs> yeah, what, this is work. Yeah, that's true. So, speaking of work and show notes, did you know that Camus came from the Mexican land grant known as Rancho Camus? That was the name. It was given to George Yont in 1836, which later became Rutherford in much of the surrounding areas. I had no idea. I was thinking that was like a family name or something. Yeah, I actually... Uh, 
as soon as I took over as sommelier at uh, one of my last restaurants, I was, I mean, I'm very green. It's one of my first weeks and maybe weeks and maybe first <laughs> couple days. Uh, and I have this table of 15 businessmen and I'm pouring this wine he had ordered for the table and I presented it and, you know, your 2012 or whatever it was, Camus. And he goes, actually, it's pronounced Camus. What? After the writer. <laughs> I never heard of that, man. I don't follow that writer. But who I do follow is uh, Chuck Wagner. Yeah, call Chuck on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's what I know. So, uh, you know, now it's time, I think, that we should probably do the the pitch of our our episode, the, the part that uh, pays our bills, I suppose. It's going to be huge. <laughs> it's a big pitch. So, so. Scrap in. The, the Duckhorn Chardonnay. You know, usually we sell it for twenty nine bucks. We have it on sale for twenty two ninety nine. That's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this week. Austin Hope, usually forty five ninety nine. We're gonna have it on sale for thirty five ninety nine this week. That's again Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then Camus, the liter bottle. You get more wine for the buck on that one. Uh one oh nine ninety nine. Uh we're gonna put it on sale for seventy nine ninety nine. Please, wineries, don't get mad at us. Um, these are low prices. But, uh, you know, I'm just happy that we can do this for Father's Day. And, you know, I, it's happy Father's Day, Anthony. Man. Happy Father's Day. Man. And happy Father's weekend. Day to all you fathers out there, out there. listening. Yeah. And uh, enjoy the day with your family and enjoy the day with your little ones. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.